Don't let a DUI charge ruin your life. Get a professional and confidential evaluation from our experienced team at True Heights Treatment. Our evaluations are accepted by the majority of courts in the state of Illinois and provide a comprehensive assessment of your substance use patterns and potential treatment needs. Get the help you need today and start your path to a brighter future. Contact us now to schedule your evaluation at 708-248-7039 or at thtdui.com. The George Brassy Podcast is made possible with funding provided from Brassy Global Strategies, LLC, a leading political consulting, public policy, government affairs, and research firm. Are you interested in running for elected office? Need advice? Call or email George, 708-769-5015. Brassy Global Strategies 1 at gmail.com. The authors of the book Chicago Heights, Little Joe College, The Outfit, and the Fall of St. Anna, Charlie Hager, and David T. Miller. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. Good morning. Glad to be here. David, tell me a little bit about uh, Charlie's backstory. How did Charlie end up going from West Virginia to the city of Chicago Heights as a youth? Yeah, certainly. Um, I um, spent many a, a lot of time talking with Charlie about the story. I'm originally from where uh, where he is from or close to it, and I'll let him speak for himself about uh, his family's situation, a fairly you know, a difficult and, and uh, 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 difficult life. In, in West Virginia, of course, has a, a lot of poverty, and uh, he had an uncle who basically plucked him out of that and, and took him uh, to the big city of uh, Chicago Heights. Uh, right, Charlie? That's correct, yes. It's so to think of Chicago Heights as a big city back in this time. Charlie, what was it like for you? Well, I thought I'd walked into heaven, believe it or not. Uh, you know, I, I left starvation. I left a lot of poverty. Uh, you know, when you don't have clothes on your back, you don't have shoes on your feet, and then you get into a place to where everyone says welcome, everyone has a big hug, everyone has something to eat, and there was opportunity in life, which I did not have. And you know, I had to go from the, the worst of the two evils. Do I starve to death and stay here, or do I take a gamble and go to Chicago Heights and try to make something out of my life? I, I knew it was going to be rough. It had already been explained to me. But I thought, you know, what's the worst of the two evils? So I went to Chicago Heights with my uncle. He put me up, and, and then the Italian people took me in as if I was one of their kids. I owe that to the Italian people today. Uh, they did so much for me. Charlie, and, uh, your uncle um, owned a couple bars in the book. What bars did he own? Pardon me? Which bars did your uncle own in the city of Chicago Heights and Blue Island that you talk about in the book? Okay, okay, okay. Now, in Chicago Heights, there, there was actually two bars. There was Virgie's Lounge, which had been there a long time, that he 
he you know that he worked back and forth and then the vagabond and then there was one in blue island illinois which is no longer there that that's actually where he started out was in blue island illinois tell the audience a little bit about your memories of the vagabond lounge um well i'll walk you through it you know that really was a uh right there on the corner of Halstead street and you know there was a lot of uh sort of the old albert hotel you know it was the old albert hotel and then at the back of that vagabond lounge all the way to the back on the first floor which where the club was the you know the vagabond lounge and then there was a little little restaurant in there and then there was a bank there at that time there was a bank in that building People don't realize that, but there was a bank in that book. Right on the left corner of that old building. And that used to be, I guess, some type of dealership or something at one time or another during, which I don't know, uh, during life. And then we spent a lot of time upstairs on the third floor which we had a room which we held a lot of a lot of uh meetings up there up there which was joe uh joe barrett myself albert taco nick deandre uh billy dabo was there and of course bob zazetti that was a uh, more or less that crew now there, there was more to that crew but the, the bunch I work with, that was just about the extent of the ones that I had the dealings with. Tell the audience a little bit about, about who Albert Taco is and how he plays into your story. Okay, again, we're, we're like we're in a can and we're speaking in a can. Well, I'm sorry. I, uh, you Charlie, have to Charlie, can you uh, talk about Albert Taco? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can uh, talk a lot about Albert Taco. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I did a lot of jobs for Albert Taco. I, I started out, you know, doing things and helping him out there, you know. When he was a sausage maker, I helped him out a little bit there. I got to know him real good then. Uh, and then the first one thing led to another, you know, because he needed help over there in that the business of taking over Jimmy Katura's business. You know, he, he told Katura that he had to go. This was the end of it. Uh, you know, you need to retire. You need to move on. Katura would listen to nobody. And finally, when, when uh, Duff and Billy Double whacked him, you know, there in his Cadillac, uh, he kind of brought me in on the tail end of the thing there to to throw foot for those guys. And then they just started whacking guys left and right, you know, because Taco had them to do it. And he brought me in on the tail end of the thing. Now, I was also a chauffeur for Taco, and I was also a chauffeur for Paletto. Talk, talk about who Paletto is. 
Pareto? Yes. Pareto was was a very secretive man. Pareto uh, would, would would have you to drive him somewhere. He wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't talk. He he was just a a, 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 a very silent man, a very peaceful man. Uh, Pareto was was the, the guy that that kept that organization together. I mean, if things stepped out of line, he sure put them back in line quick. He wasn't a hothead. He was a very clever man and a very smart man. And, of course, you know, if there's any action, he got a piece of it. Because, you know, he he was a capo and, and, or an underboss. And uh, that was about the extent of that. I'd, I didn't have a lot of dealings with him. It was Taco because, you know, there was a firewall there and things were handed down. And he was very smart. He would not. He would not let you know anything on him or he wouldn't tell you anything to where you could put him in harm's way. How long does the relationship with Albert Taco last for you? How long did Albert Taco and I spend together or last together? Yes. Well, if we had to get into it right down to the nitty gritty, I would say about four years. About four years. And then that's when I was moved into the racetrack in Crete, Illinois. And, you know, I raced harness racing trotters, and my job was more or less getting that money out of that racetrack. And I did a real good job of getting that money out of that racetrack. And I, I brought a lot of money out of that racetrack. Um, Charlie, tell the audience a little bit about your interest in racing and the horse track. How did that come to be? How that come about? Actually, it, it come about. I had a brother-in-law that was, you know, Kenny James was a horse racer there, and uh, Kenny uh, had the inside scoop. And I went to Taco and I told him, I said, I think this will this would be a good thing for us, and I think that I have an inside thing here to where that I can make you some money. And he said, Charlie, this is awful dangerous. You know, this is a this is a dangerous way to do it. Because we, we got no way of of, uh, of uh, taking care of business in case something happens because we can't go whacking these guys. And uh, I said, well, I've got something better. I said I've got a brother-in-law that's that's racing here. He's been in this business 20-some-plus years, and he knows all these drivers. And uh, if he tells me that a horse is going to win tomorrow, or, or as we say, it'll snow. If I tell you it'll snow tomorrow, it'll snow tomorrow. And the big, the big bets that nobody wanted to take, I took them to the racetrack. The small bets we kept. Now, if we had a real good bet, then we had somebody, not us, but somebody go make that bet and bring that money to us. 
And uh, I, I know that there was one year there, I think it was 72 or 73, that we probably bought $700,000 out of that racetrack just within a seven or eight month period. And, and, and for a kid coming from West Virginia that had nothing and gets into that, that kind of money, you know, he's pretty well on his way. Okay. And, and this way, and not only this, this, this gave me a lot of trust with Taco. Taco could trust me. He could send me out to do things and he could, he could, like I said, if I told him it would snow tomorrow, it would snow tomorrow. David, who is Sam Giancana, and how did it relate to Charlie's story? Sam was uh, a very well-known American uh, mobster. He was the boss of the Chicago outfit from the late 50s through, uh, and Charlie can correct me, I, I, think, I think 66 or thereabouts. He had been a longtime figure in that, uh, uh, in that area. Um, but he was also one of those larger-than-life um, Characters. He he buddied up with uh, Sinatra. Uh, he was involved with um, the, the the CIA, um, and uh, just a, a larger than life character. Uh, he also played a role in Charlie's uh, story, uh, simply because of the way things went down. And it's uh, it's something that really other people haven't uh, talked much about. And Charlie is the one, uh, you know, bringing his own personal uh, uh, side of the, of, of the Sam Giancana story to light. Right, Charlie? Uh, that, that is correct. Of course, you know, Sam Giancana was Tony Big Tuna Cardo's underboss. You know, so that he was Chicago. You know, Big Tuna was, uh, Cardo was the man and, and, and Giancana was the inner boss because he ran it for Chicago for uh, Cardo for a lot of years, you know. And then uh, Cardo had to let him go because of all the problems that, uh, that he was bringing that they couldn't, just couldn't let happen. And they uh, actually exiled Giancana into Mexico. And how does it paths intersect with you, Charlie? Well, you know, it, it goes back again to Robert Zazetti. You know, Zazetti was a well-known hitman for the Chicago Heights crew, him and Billy Dauber. And uh, there was a guy by the name of Roland Vance that uh, Bob had got the pistol from with the silencer from Roland Vance that actually kills Sam Giancana. And Roland Vance and Dick Spry, one of the guys that was with Zazetti the night that he whacked Giancana. Now, people will argue to argue this, and they will argue this and argue that, and uh, this one did it, that one did it, that. No. Zazetti got Giancana. Zazetti is the man that whacked Giancana. There's no two ifs, sins, and buts about it. He did the killing. Now, Dick Spry was with him that night, and Dick Spry sold him the gun because Dick Spry got the gun from Roland Vance, 
an argument pursued over the gun because Bob wouldn't pay him the $1,500 for the gun. Dick Spar was in West Virginia. Albert Taco told me to go down there and settle it. Well, when we went down there to settle it, Bob had no intentions of settling. He had intentions of whacking. So I'm in the car, and Bob whacks Dick. He whacks Dick. So, you know, we got busted on the beef. I got pinched on it, rather. And I ended up doing the time for the crime. Duff got out of it. And Duff later died of cancer. And you end up doing time in West Virginia. And I never did go back. I, when I went back and I talked to these guys and we had a sit down and we talked. And because I hadn't rolled over on anyone, I hadn't pointed a finger at anyone, I had got anyone in trouble. And they were all in a lot of trouble. There was a lot of killings at that time. I was told by Albert Taco himself, Charlie, if you want to go back to West Virginia and, and, and stay in the shadows for a while, you go. I've got no problem with you. So actually prison life saved me. David, um, what do you think current residents could learn from Charlie's story? Well, it's certainly um, Charlie's story is kind of a, an everyman story. Uh, you read a lot of books that are um, written by people who might be better known, who had longer, you know, careers there. The name names might be more familiar. Charlie's story is a. Uh, a very human and very personal story, unique in that it's from the foot soldiers, you know, the regular guy point of view. Um, and I, I think that it's very easy for uh, people to be, you know, not to have great choices and to be attracted down uh, the wrong uh, the wrong path or not have a good path in, in front of them. So I think it's a story that anyone would enjoy uh, reading, even though some of the details are 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 grim, but it's uh, basically a story about uh, you know uh, Charlie or someone like him not having great uh, great chances, but he's lived to tell the tale. So I, I think anyone would benefit from the local history, but also from the uh, very personal side of his story. David, now keep in, keep in mind too, David, and let me jump ahead here. I was not a Kaya. I could not be a made man, but I could be an associate. And I was a very viable associate. I'm a kid that was brought up as a foot soldier, run the streets, through the ranks, that was taught well. And that's the kind of people they were looking for. Now, you would never look at me and say that, you know, this guy's in the mob or is in the outfit because I didn't look the type. 
that's how I got away with a lot of stuff. I just simply did not look the type. You can't take Ted Bundy, you can't take Ted Bundy and say he's Natalia. <laughs> if you follow what I mean, you, you can't do that. And this is how that I flew under the radar so long without being noticed. David, can you tell the audience about how you came together? Um, yes, my I've always been a writer and editor. I was helping my father uh, with a book that he had done in a, a signing, and uh, he was signing books over in West Virginia, which I think, Charlie, you were still living in West, West Virginia at the time. This is probably eight or nine years ago, and Charlie struck up a conversation uh, uh, with my father and passed on the information. We worked on the book for a long uh, time, revising it and, and doing a lot of research to make sure we had, uh, you know, all the facts down as best we could and, and uh, uh, putting a lot of pieces together that weren't possible, you know, back in that era that now we can do online uh, research. So basically it was just uh, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie making a very, uh, making a connection with uh, someone, someone that could speak that same West Virginia experience. Yeah, yeah. The, the book was well vetted, and uh, I'll, I'll get off one thing too, is uh, um, Annabelle, which was the girlfriend, Blaze Star, which was the girlfriend of Huey Long, the governor of Louisiana, came there a lot, and she was the one that had maybe a little inspiration too, to, you know, she was Blaze Star, she was the, the queen of porn, and, and Blaze was raised up right beside me there, and Curie uh, Long come there a lot, you know, the governor of Louisiana, because that was his girlfriend, right there in that little town, and, you know, <laughs> just seemed like, uh, uh, politicians, gangsters, thugs, was just the way of life. It was just the way of life. Well, I think that's a good place to close. David and Charlie, thanks for coming to the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Help George stay on the Chicago Heights City Council. Go and donate today at tinyurl.com slash aldermangeorge2023. Begin to transform your life and work towards inner peace with expert psychotherapy. At True Heights Treatment, our experienced therapists provide personalized, compassionate care to help you overcome life's challenges and reach your goals. Whether you're struggling with depression, anxiety, relationship issues, or other mental health concerns, our team is here to support you. With a warm and welcoming in-person and virtual office atmosphere and a commitment to person-centered and evidence-based treatments, we are dedicated to helping you address your life's challenges. Contact us now to schedule your first session at 708-248-7039 or online at TX. Com. Book your appointment today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier life. 
Need more George? Like his pages on Facebook. Friends of George Brassy PAC, Fifth Ward Business Alliance, Chicago Heights Bicycle and Pedestrian Resource Center, and the George Brassy Podcast. Thank you.